Well, good morning once again. God's Word to us this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, starting in verse 17 here in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 13, I'd encourage you to take out a copy of Scripture and look at this with us. Hebrews is almost toward the very end of your Bible, so if you get to the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, and flip backwards just a few, you'll come to the book of Hebrews. It's 13 chapters long, so it's hard to miss. Uh, 13 is the last chapter in that book, and I'll be starting there here in just a moment. And the question today is this, what is church membership? What is church membership? There's a lot of different views, I would say, on this question, even in this very room. And so it can be beneficial to us to ask the question and to ask, what does the Lord's word say about this? And so what, what is it? What do you think it is? Is church membership like membership at the gym where, you know, you're a member because you signed up, but it doesn't really matter if you go or not? Is church membership like a country club membership? As long as you pay your dues, you get the benefits. Is it like a donor's recognition list? Here's a list of all of our sponsors so the community knows who the good people are. Or is it like being a member of something like the Rotary Club, membership in the Rotary Club? Let's all get together and do some good for the community as a group. Is it just a way of having voting rights when it's time for the church to make an important decision about its direction? Or is church membership just a way of saying, this is my home church, this is where my family has always belonged, so that's where I have my membership? All of these things are ideas that some people have about what church membership is. To a lot of people my age and younger, this sounds like something that, that it shouldn't even be part of a church. It shouldn't be a member's club that people join and you know, you have to get through the door and get past the vetting process to actually be a part of a church. That shouldn't even be the case. Why would that ever be the case in a church, in a place where Jesus welcomes anyone and everyone? And so what is church membership? We're going to look at that today. Now, before we get into our text in Hebrews, I think we need to take a step back and ask this important question. Is church membership even biblical? Is church membership biblical at all? Now, we are a New Testament Bible church. We base what we do off of the model for church in the New Testament. And if something is not in the Bible, we are not required to do it. And we will not require our members or other people to do it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not a requirement. And if it is in the Bible, we, that's what we go by. We stand by Scripture. We model our church based on what's in the Bible. And so it's important to ask, is church membership even biblical at all? Now, I will tell you, the phrase church membership is nowhere to be found anywhere in Scripture. Probably doesn't even matter what translation you have. You will not find the phrase church membership anywhere in your Bibles. But you will also not find the word trinity anywhere in your Bibles. And yet, Hardly anything could be more foundational to what we believe as Christians than the concept of the Trinity, God. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet still one God. And so while the word Trinity is nowhere to be found in Scripture, the concept is everywhere. You can see it everywhere. 
The same is true for church membership. The phrase is nowhere to be found in the Bible, but the concept is everywhere. Let me give you just a general sampling. If you've got your Bible open, I'll ask you to stay open to Hebrews, because we're going to park there here in just a moment for a while. But a general sampling of where do we find church membership in the Bible? Well, probably the the first thing that I think of is 1 Corinthians 12, where, where Paul talks about the church being the body of Christ, and we are members of it. The church is the body of Christ, and we are members of that body. He also says we're members of one another there in 1 Corinthians 12. But now, if that was the only place we went to, you could say, well, that applies to the church universal, the universal church. That's not any local church. That's not about membership. It's just about being a part of God's church in the world, granted. But then we have, in the same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, an interesting scenario where Paul addresses this church. Now, remember, 1 Corinthians is written to a specific church, right? The letter of 1 Corinthians was written to one specific church, the church in Corinth, and Paul addresses an issue that has arisen in their church. It's a serious, public, and unrepentant sin. A man has his father's wife, and they're not doing anything about it. It's 1 Corinthians 5, okay? The Corinthian church had plenty of problems. This is one of them. And Paul says... Of this situation, he says to the church, he says, Let him who has done this be removed from among you when you are assembled together. When you're assembled together, let him who has done this be removed from among you. He proceeds to speak of those inside the church and those outside the church. There is some kind of in and out. And this person who is in this unrepentant sin of a serious and public and gross nature, Paul says to remove him. From among you. And this makes no sense without the concept of church membership. Some kind of way to tell who is in this local church and who is not in this local church. 1 Corinthians 5. Now we also see church membership assumed in all of the one another passages that we see throughout Scripture. And by one another passages I mean all of these commandments throughout the New Testament where Paul and other biblical writers tell us how to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we, we read things in the New Testament like love one another, encourage and build up one another, comfort one another, submit to one another, teach and admonish one another, confess sins to one another, serve one another. Now, the biblical writers, when they say these things, they're not just talking about the way you interact with your fellow human beings. They're talking about the way that you are to interact with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and not just the brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. Some of those commandments don't make sense when you think about someone halfway across the world. You cannot tangibly do some of these things to someone that you do not see, to someone that you're not around. No, these are commandments for your brothers and sisters in Christ in your local fellowship, your local church, your local body of Christ. And then finally, one other place that you see this assumed church membership is in 1 Timothy 5. In 1 Timothy 5, Paul starts talking about this church that he's writing to, and Timothy is the leader of this church, and there's a role of widows in this church. They have a role of widows, and a a, a widow to be cared for by the church has to meet certain qualifications, according to Paul in 1 Timothy 5. And if a widow meets these qualifications, the church is to take care of her. The church is to care for her needs. 
especially in a time like that, a widow would have no source of income and no access to a source of income. And so it was the church's responsibility to take care of these women. Now, was that church responsible for caring for every widow everywhere? Well, of course not. It's a local body of believers with a local group of members and the widows who are members of that church, that church is responsible for caring for those ladies and caring for their needs and checking up on them and making sure that they can live. And so we see church membership all throughout Scripture, even if the phrase itself is not there. And specifically, I think, we see it here in Hebrews chapter 13, our text this morning. Hebrews 13, let's read verse 17. One verse today, Hebrews 13, verse 17, which is power-packed with all kinds of lessons for us to learn about this topic. There the Hebrew author writes, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so this morning, from that verse, I want to examine two different aspects of church membership. Two different aspects. Number one, what is the church's responsibility to its members? And number two, what is a member's responsibility when they commit to a church? According to Scripture, what's the church's responsibility? And then what's the member's responsibility? Let's take them in turn. First, the church's responsibility. Okay, Church leaders, verse 17 says will have to give an account to God for the members under their care. Did you see that? Look at it with me again. They will have to give an account for those under their care. And the reason this is good news for all of us church members is because the authority of church leaders is not unchecked. The authority of church leaders is not unchecked. Those who abuse their authority will have to face the Lord. And this is good news for us church members submitting ourselves to the authority of our church leaders. Those who abuse their authority will have to face the Lord. They will have to give an account for those under their care. And so, who will I and the elders of this church give an account for? According to this verse, I will give an account. The elders of this church will give an account for the people under their care. But who is that? Who compromises those people for which we will give an account. Is it all Christians everywhere? Well, no, that can't be right. It would be impossible to give an account for all Christians everywhere. It must be those who are members of our local church here at Columbia Christian. This is yet another piece of evidence that local church membership is biblical. It is indeed biblical. We will stand, myself, the elders of this church, the leaders of this church, we will stand before God and give an account for how we shepherded the souls of those who place themselves under our spiritual care. We'll give an account to God for this. This is a weighty thing. This is something that I was considering heavily before I went into ministry. Do I want to take on this burden? If someone wants to become an elder in a church, it's something that they need to consider. Do you want to take on the burden of giving an account before the Lord for the, the souls of the people who have placed themselves under your care. So another verse along these lines in Acts chapter 20 says, Paul tells the elders in Acts chapter 20 of Ephesus, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock. They are overseers caring for these people. And so will, will God hold us here at Columbia Christian, will God hold us as leaders accountable for the person who attends Sunday service every now and then but never becomes a member? Well, no, he will not. Perhaps he will hold us accountable if we fail to reach out to that person and extend the gospel to them. He will most certainly hold us accountable if we fail to teach the Bible faithfully when that person does attend. But we cannot be held accountable for anyone who comes and goes into a Sunday service. There's no way you can care for the soul of that person who only attends sporadically and never is involved in the life of the church. But for those who place themselves under the care of the elders and the leaders of this church, we will be held accountable before God for those souls. And so here's a question. What should you, as a church member, or someone perhaps thinking about church membership, what should you expect from the leaders when you commit to a church? Not just Columbia Christian, but to any church. What should you expect from the leaders when you commit to a church? We should certainly expect the elders and the deacons to fulfill the requirements of elders and deacons laid out in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 in their personal lives. Right? If you ever want to look at this later, you can write this down in your sermon notes or whatever. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 are the two places in the New Testament that lay out the qualifications for an elder and a deacon. Someone wants to become an elder or a deacon, they have to meet those qualifications. But these are mostly about their personal lives, their character. Okay, But what, what about their actions as church leaders? What should you expect from your leaders when you put yourself under their care? Well, look at verse 17 again. In verse 17 it says, They are keeping watch over your souls. Church leaders are to keep watch over the souls of those under their, their care. Now, what does that mean, to keep watch over someone's soul? What does that mean? I think it means at least three things. It means at least teaching, care, and accountability. It means at least these things. It might mean more, but it means at least teaching, care, and accountability. Teaching. Caring for the soul of someone means teaching them the doctrine of God, teaching them the Bible. In Titus 1, verse 9, we read, an elder, this is in that list of qualifications for elders that Paul is giving to Titus, an elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. To give instruction in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. And so teaching is part of caring for souls. Right? This might be through sermons, this might be through Sunday school or Wednesday classes, it might be through publications, it might be one-on-one -on -one teaching. But teaching is part of what it means to keep watch over someone's soul. It's part of what it means, but it also means care. It also means care of that person. Soul care, here in Hebrews 13, 17. Care not just for the, the person in general or their physical needs, but their soul. In 1 Peter 5, 2, Peter is writing to the elders in churches, and he says, Elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. 
Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Be a shepherd to these sheep. Be a shepherd. And this might mean, when it comes to care, this might mean hospital visits or home visits. It might mean counseling and praying with you during different times of need. It might mean checking up on you to see how you're doing spiritually every now and then or helping you to work through spiritual issues. And so let me encourage you, church members, don't be alarmed or offended if myself or an elder asks you every now and then, how, how are you doing spiritually? If someone asks you, if a church leader asks you, how are you doing spiritually? Don't be offended or alarmed. It's not an accusation or it's not us trying to pry into your business. It's our duty before the Lord to care for your soul. It's our duty before the Lord to do that. If we don't do that for you, we will be held accountable by God for failing to do that. And at times, this, this care aspect might even mean care for someone's physical needs or care for someone's financial needs, if that comes about. But primarily, it's, it's soul care, watching over the soul of someone. And so we've got teaching, we've got care, and then accountability. You should expect from your church leaders for them to hold you spiritually accountable. As a member of the church, myself, if I begin walking away from the Lord in some way, I expect the elders of this church to come after me. Going after wayward sheep is part of the responsibility of church leadership. You should expect that from your leaders. If I start walking away from the Lord, I would expect the leaders of this church to come after me and seek to bring me back. It's a loving thing for a shepherd to do for his flock. You should expect in this accountability part, you should expect them to speak the truth to you in love. Sometimes this will mean a church leader confronting you about something. Sometimes this will mean someone coming to you and, and confronting you about something that you're involved with or something that you've been doing or perhaps a, a, a sin that's been you know, putting you under its power. If you genuinely love a person, sometimes you might have to confront them about their walk with the Lord because saying nothing would be unloving. That would not be keeping watch over someone's soul. And so at the very minimum, as a church member, you should expect from your church leaders that they keep watch over your souls, according to Hebrews 13, 17. And I think that means at least teaching, soul care, and accountability, at the very least. So that's what you should expect from your church. But what's the member's responsibility? That we covered the church's responsibility in church membership. What's a member's responsibility in church membership? What's a member's responsibility? Well, first and foremost, church membership is committing to the other members of the church. First and foremost, that's what church membership is. You're committing to your brothers and sisters in Christ who are also members of this church. We get a beautiful picture of this in Romans chapter 12. We're going to put this up on the screen. And it, it's six verses here, so stick with me. But Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 10, look at this picture of someone being committed to their brothers and sisters in Christ in their local congregation. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. 
contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That passage right there is a beautiful picture of the commitment that we make to one another as church members. Or take Galatians 6 verse 2, a very short verse, but a very powerful one. Bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what we're doing for one another as church members. We are called to live as a church to bear one another's burdens. So when, when you have a burden, the rest of us make it our own. We come into that. We battle it with you. We carry it with you. When your brother and sister in Christ takes something upon their shoulders, you take it upon your shoulders too. You bear it with them. If it's battling a certain sin, you help them battle it. If it's grieving the loss of a loved one, you grieve with them. You weep with those who weep. If it's a prolonged illness, you do what you can to care for them and all of their needs. Or if it's a financial strain, we, we, we give and we help. We draw near. We make their problems our problems. Think about those one another passages that we mentioned earlier. All the things that we are to do to one another. Church membership is first and foremost committing to your brothers and sisters in Christ. It means you place yourself in the life of the church. You place yourself in the life of the church. And so not only do you commit to your brothers and sisters, but you open yourself up to the spiritual care of others, right? You open yourself up for them to care for you. You're not just caring for them. You open yourself up when you become a church member for them to care for you. You don't just commit to them. They're committing to you as well. And so here's a question. Does anyone in this church know you well enough to where they would know if you were hurting or struggling? Does anyone know you well enough to where they would know if you were hurting or struggling? I'm not saying everyone's going to know you like that. But you need to be close to some people in your local church in committing to one another, in bearing one another's burdens, in trying to fulfill these biblical commands to be the body of Christ to one another. How can you do those things if no one knows you well enough to know whether you're hurting or struggling? We also see in verse 17 here in Hebrews that the expectation of church members is that they will obey and submit to their leaders. The very beginning of verse 17 there, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, what does this look like? Well, it might look like supporting the elders or the deacons when you may disagree on matters of opinion. Right? That's going to happen. There are times where as many people as are in this building right now, we're going to disagree with one another, right? We have so many differing opinions. We have so many gifts. We have so many different mental capacities and mental giftings in different areas. So many of you are strong in areas where I am weak. That's what makes the body of Christ beautiful, Right? But we're going to disagree with each other at times. And when that happens, we support the direction of the church under the elders and the deacons. We submit to them. You know, in, in the elders and deacons meetings that happen once a month here, every now and then, believe it or not, some of the men disagree on things. Right? That happens. Of course it does. But what happens once the group as a whole sets a direction? Once they set a direction, everyone gets behind them. 
Everyone gets behind them, even the men who disagreed in the beginning. Everyone gets behind them because we are to act as one body, with the head being Jesus Christ. Submitting and obeying to our our leaders might look like giving, giving money and trusting the elders and the deacons to direct those funds in the ways that please God. You do this when you're putting your money into the plate. You realize when you put that money into the plate, you, you give the elders and the deacons permission to direct those funds in the way that they see fit. Yes, we vote on the budget once a year, but we trust these men to lead us and to lead the, the, the using of our money and what we give to God's kingdom ends. It might look like responding when the church leaders put out a call for service or generosity. The elders or the deacons say, hey, hey we, we need people to step up and do this. We've got a, a need that we need to have met here in the church. And all of a sudden, the church members respond and meet that need because we're obeying and submitting to our leaders, right? When, when someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a member of the church, I go over a, a sheet with them that has seven commitments that I ask them to make to the church, Now, that sheet, before it has the commitments that they have to make to the church, it has the commitments that the church is making to them, right? When you become a member of the church, the church is making commitments to you, right? You should expect the leaders of our church to care for your soul, to watch over you. And so I go over the the commitments that the church is making to you, but then I go over seven commitments that I ask that members of the church commit to the church. Seven commitments. Now, of course, this goes without saying, but before we even get to those commitments, we have to make sure that this is someone who is a a genuine believer, right? Someone who has been baptized properly, someone who is a genuine converted believer in Jesus Christ, and someone who agrees with our belief statement. And we go through our belief statement in those meetings too. And this person, as long as they are a genuine believer and agree with our belief statements, and then there's seven commitments I go over. And you can write these down if you want. You've got that little sermon notes uh, paper down there if you want to use it. Or you can get these from me later. But seven commitments I ask of people if they want to become a member of this church. Number one, commitment number one, seek the Lord in your personal life. If you want to be a member of Columbia Christian Church, we are asking that you seek the Lord in your personal life. That you seek Him through regular prayer and Bible reading and fellowship with His children. Because if you do that one, everything else takes care of itself. If you are seeking the Lord genuinely from your heart, in your personal life. Everything else, your, your marriage, your finances, your, your morals, everything else takes care of itself. But that's number one. Number two, realize the church needs you and you need the church. Realize the church needs you and you need the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, we are members of one another. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. We need each other, Right? Number three, third commitment, commit to regularly attending corporate worship. Regularly attending corporate worship. It's a commitment that we ask of the members of the church. Number four, serve in some way. Find some way to serve the church. Whatever it looks like for you, however you want to use your gifts that God has given you, find some way to serve in the church. Number five, minister to your brothers and sisters in the church. Minister to your brothers and sisters in the church. Do what Romans 12 talked about earlier in that passage. Bear one another's burdens. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Show hospitality. Care for one another. That's what 
church is all about. Number six, give regularly to the mission of the church. It's an upfront expectation. Give regularly to the mission of the church. Be a part of this church. Commit to this church, not just with your time, not just with your body, but with your finances. And then finally, live out the great commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 20. 28? Yeah, 28. Matthew chapter 28. When Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. Live out the Great Commission. Take the gospel. Take what God has done for you and go give it to other people. Share the gospel. Evangelize. Tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. These are seven commitments that I will ask you to make if you meet with me and say, hey, I want to become a member of this church. Seven commitments. You see, church membership is something that I think the church as a whole has gotten backwards. The church as a whole, I believe, has gotten this completely backwards. There are many churches out there trying to lower the bar as much as they can so that they can get people in. Let's lower the bar. Let's make it as easy as possible just so people will come in, so that we can have more numbers, right? But I don't think that's the way God created us. It's definitely not the way God commanded us. God created us to where we have this internal desire to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Don't you feel that? Don't you have a desire to be a part of something that's bigger than you? Don't you have a desire to commit to something? I don't know about you, but when someone sets a bar for me, I don't, I don't crumble under that. I thrive under that. I want to reach that bar. I want to live up to that. Surely, if we are following the Lord of all the earth, surely He will have expectations of us, and surely those expectations will be high. And we do the same as a church. This does not mean that Somebody who becomes a member of this church has to be perfect. It does not mean that they have to be sinless. We are all sinners here, right? We are all people trying to help each other follow Jesus. We are all people just picking each other up when we fall. That's what being a member of a church is, right? This is not a museum for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. So you don't have to be perfect to be a member of this church, but let us not make the mistake of just having no expectations at all for our members, and then years down the road asking the question, well, how come our members aren't committed to coming to church and being involved? Well, we've done it to ourselves. And so there's both signs here, the church's responsibility and the member's responsibility. And so finally, let's ask this final question. Why church membership? Why should I become a member of a church? Well, we've already given many reasons, but let's, let's think about a couple things here. When someone asks, why church membership? It's often like the question that dating couples sometimes ask. Why should we get married? Why should we get married? Why do we need a piece of paper to tell the world that we love each other? Why should we get married? Well, it's because remaining single is like leaving the back door open. There's always an out. You haven't truly committed to that person. So don't date the church. Don't date the church. Commit to it. If it's not here, commit to another Bible-believing church that preaches the gospel. Right? I'm not going to say, hey, this is the only place that you need to 
to commit to. This is the only place around that preaches the gospel. No. If it's not here, commit to another Bible-believing church. But don't date the church. Commit to one. Commit to a people that you're going to be a part of. Membership means expressed commitment from both sides. You commit to the church, and the church commits to you, right? You commit to these people. You commit to the leadership. You commit to the mission of the church. You commit to Christ. You commit to Christ. You see, church membership is a wonderful antidote to the toxic individualism of our age. Think about that. Church membership is a wonderful antidote to the toxic individualism of our age. Today, our society says, don't limit yourself in any way for anyone else. Jesus calls you to do the exact opposite. Commit yourself. Commit yourself for other people. Church membership is a wonderful antidote to the toxic individualism of our age. This is why it makes no sense biblically to have your membership at a church where you rarely attend. It makes no sense biblically to have your membership at a church where you do not go there. You do not attend there. Now, we realize at Columbia Christian, we realize there's going to be people who are shut-ins. There's going to be people who cannot attend a worship service and want to. And in those cases, we commit to shepherding those souls, even though they cannot attend the worship service. But in a case where someone is physically able, right, it makes no sense biblically to have your membership somewhere where you never attend or you rarely attend. How can you commit to those people? How can those people watch over your soul when you're never there? They can't. That's impossible. That's not church membership. But that's the idea that many churches and individuals have of church membership. The elders of a church cannot care for your soul. The members of a church cannot bear your burdens with you if you are never there. Why church membership? Because you're admitting that you need help in this Christian life, right? We become members of churches because we're admitting we need help. I need help in this Christian life. I can't do this by myself. I need you guys. I need you guys to get me to the finish line. I need you guys to get me over it. I am limping. I am falling down. I need you. And you need your brothers and sisters. The person who thinks they can live this Christian life apart from a local church, well, the Bible says that Satan roars around like a lion. He prowls around looking for someone to devour. And when he sees someone who says, I can live this Christian life on my own apart from a local church, he is licking his chops. Why join a church? Because Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church. The church is called the body of Christ. Elsewhere in Scripture, the church is called the bride of Christ. The bride. The church is his bride. Saying, I love Jesus, but not the church, is like saying, I like you, but I can't stand your wife. That's what it's like. Well, then sorry, she and I are one. We're a package deal. You get me, you get her too. If you don't like my wife, it's like you don't like me, right? We are one. You badmouth my wife, I'm going to stand up for her. I'm coming to her defense. You're going to have to deal with me, right? Jesus loves the church like that, only more so. You see? Ephesians 5 says Jesus died for the church that he might sanctify her and make her pure, fit for heaven. 
And so ultimately, we commit to the church because Jesus loves the church. And so the question to you this morning is, will you commit? Will you commit to Christ? And committing to Christ means committing to his bride, committing to his family, his body, and being a part of it. That's the question posed to each and every one of us from God's word today. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your good word to us. Thank you for showing us that being a part of a local church is about much more than the types of memberships that we have seen out in society. This is much deeper than that. This is eternally significant. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to commit to you, to commit to your body. Even for those of us who are already members of this church or other churches, I pray that you would help us every day to commit to you, to commit to your children, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to commit to bearing their burdens with them, to commit to ministering and serving them. God, I pray for the leaders of this church. I pray that you would bless the men who have signed on to take this weight upon their shoulders, to give an account to you for the souls of the people who are under their care. I pray that you would strengthen them and help them to care for the souls of the members of this church. I pray for our members. I pray that they would feel cared for. I pray that they would open themselves up to the care of the leaders and the other members of this church. And I pray that you would unite us with one heart and mind to glorify your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.